0: Start Sooners of Oklahoma. You all know and still looking for respect nationwide. What is going on, Sooner Nation? Thank you all for tuning in to another episode of The Barry and Mac Show. As always, myself Barry personal trainer, sports performance coach out of Tulsa, Oklahoma, and alongside me, former Sooner wide receiver, 2000 national champ, Mr. Damian Mackey. How are we doing today, D. Mack? Doing good, B. Uh, you know, I, I've been thinking about that intro. It's about time
1: we get another ship. You know what I'm saying? It's about time we start talking about another ship besides our Stone Age one from the 2000s. Maybe if we were like Texas, we'd be excited because there was some, like, historical championship, you know what I'm saying, that we won. But we're all you. It's about time to get a new one on the mantle, uh, you know, and uh, we got work to do. That that doesn't mean we're there. We've got some work that we need to figure out with the staff, with the kids, with recruiting. But, damn it, I want to be able to say – the 2000 old man championship. And we are now on a run of new school championship. That's what, that's what I want the intro to be next season. So but let's, let's uh. Mm. by the way, one year, right? We've been, yep. I think, I think we locked in on one year, episode 51, yep. 52 yep. weeks ago, we started this deal and 51 episodes later, here we are. So salute to that.
0: Heck yeah, man. Um, and speaking of building a team to win a national championship, DMAC. OU is laying those blocks right now as we speak. Uh, We talked about the commits a while back. Um, OU had kind of a a trio of guys commit at the same time. They've had sort of a player sporadically falling in line. But this past week, OU gets a big-time commit, Dmac Devon Mitchell, uh, formerly of Allen, Texas High School, now out at Los Alamitos. He is going to be an early enrollee. Sooners 360 was on top of that, the possible reclassification. If you're not a member over there, go check it out. A lot of this info was on there before it really hit the streets. And the early forecast, of course, turned out to be very, very accurate. Devon Mitchell plays the tight end position. OU has not had a tight end of this caliber since really Jermaine Gresham of his ilk. You can say Mark Andrews, but they're they're really sort of different players. He's really more in that Jermaine Gresham sort of build lineage. He's a player who he can catch the ball, he can block. There are things he has to polish up, but every big program in the country wanted to have this guy blocking and, and catching passes. Dmac and OU was able to get it done. I want to ask you on just the uh, couple layers of this. One, what this finally means for Coach Finley, Coach Joe John Finley, really getting his first big-time in the whole prospect like Devon Mitchell. And then also just what it means for building out this 2024 class and how important it is to get things started on the right foot with – you can have your three, your high or low four-star players. You start teetering on top 50 guys, four and five stars – Now that carries a different level of weight. What does this mean for 2024? And how does this change the outlook on what Coach Finley has done at Oklahoma?
1: First things first, shout out to uh, the coaching staff for really getting this young man. Obviously, Allen being our backyard. um, And then, of course, uh, his his ex-quarterback being in the fold, those things all help. So you create that momentum and those victories by establishing those early wins, especially at the quarterback position. I like the Jermaine Gresham comp in the sense of his body type. Um, his ability to be both effective in the run and in the pass game, um, like you said, no no shot at Andrews. Andrews was just a ridiculous anomaly in the pass game at a, in a great system for him to succeed. I think this is more in the line um, with Jermaine. It's huge for momentum, right? Historically, not historically, but I guess the last year and a half, Venables has shown um, that July is a big month for the program and to come into the month, securing a top shelf talent, uh, again, fortifying one of the offensive centerpieces of a class, um, also recruits looking at social media, looking at the recruiting message boards, blogs, you know, sites, whatever you want to call them these days and seeing that OU is relevant with some of the top shelf blue chip caliber players. It really helps to keep us on the forefront of their mind and I imagine those guys who are saying it's, it's just that, that kind of a follow me mentality. Once some, once one of the dominoes start to fall, right? The, you expect more, you anticipate more chips to fall in our direction as well. So always a good thing when you, when you can secure a player like this. Shout out to Joe John. Lord knows, you know, there were a lot of people questioning his chops on the recruiting trail and, and if he could emulate, um, some of the success he had or, could some of the success he had as a college player and then being an NFL ball player translate into to wins, um, on the recruiting road, it's good to see him get a bona fide blue chip recruit. Um, and hopefully it, it lends to him continue to have that momentum down the road, but I'll say the same thing I say every episode, Barry, and I'm sure I sound like a broken record when I say this, this season is make or break. And I know that's mm-hmm. kind of, um, uh, I don't know if it would be oversimplification or a hyperbole or what. I don't feel like it's an extreme exaggeration or I don't think I'm oversimplifying. I I simply believe this is a black or white year in a sense where OU can solidify itself as a blip on the radar with a coach leaving rogue in the 23rd hour right after a uh, season where they were this close to playing for another Big 12 championship where they lose to Oklahoma State out in Stillwater and it took a it took Venable's a year to sh- to write the ship the other scenario is is right are we going into the land of mediocrity and again I don't want to act like the sky is falling and sound like a chicken little but there is you know there is a space where you you're you're a proverbial 3 and excuse me 9 and 3 Georgia or your Gary Gibbs version of Oklahoma again. verbal nine and three, eight and four, seven and six. Sometimes losing record, you know. Bayou Tigers, Oklahoma has to be careful not to allow itself to teeter into that, that room of um, guys like that. Coaches getting chopped. Uh, track uh It helps a ton. But August and September, the third, the third Monday in October is definitely going to tell us where we stand uh, heading into the future.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think it's interesting. You just being a former player, I don't even know if it's oversimplifying, Dmac. It's just really stating what the facts are. And at the end of the day, one of the things that helps Georgia and the reason Georgia is pulling in players like they are is because they started winning. They were winning at the lower levels, just getting those 9-10 win seasons. Those turned into getting to the SEC championship game. Those turned into winning the thing. Those turned into a win in the college football playoff. And then after that, like once they, when they, it it stinks to say it, but when they beat OU in 17, that was really kind of the catapult for Kirby Smart. That's when he said, we went out there, faced one of the greatest offenses that's ever been put together with Baker Mayfield leading the helm. So many NFL draft picks on that team. And they were able to go out there and get it done. Granted, the offense for OU tore them apart, but... That sent them into a different stratosphere in terms of what they could go into a living room and say to a recruit. And OU to get there is going to have to win. What Devon Mitchell offers, and I'm going to have some stuff posted on 360 probably this evening, if not sometime uh, later in this week. He has great feet, he has fantastic hands. He's going to have to really work and tighten up the blocking game. But, you know, talking to guys who have played the position, kind of seeing that, that just seems like it's true really for everybody coming out of high school. That seems like an element of the game that you're usually bigger and badder than everybody else you play, especially if you're a guy like Devon Mitchell. So blocking and and this kind of an easier thing that gets done, kind of just, it's just kind of a second thought. Whereas in college game, you're playing guys who are your size or bigger. And now how do you contend with that? How do you maintain good leverage? So he'll obviously have to go to work there, but I think he's a player who steps right in, especially with what OU has at tight end. I think he steps right in almost day one, uh, especially being an early enrollee, which is what the uh, scuttlebutt is for, uh, if you will, for him right now, planning to enroll in the spring as part of an early enrollee in that 2024 class. So OU um, down there for media day, and today, got to hear from Big 12 Commissioner Brett Yormark, and he had some interesting things to say. Dmac, I'm gonna pull up this quote so I don't get the uh, <laughs> don't get the man wrong. I want to make sure that this quote is in all of his Yormark glory, and I just want to get your instant reaction. Big okay. 12s, Brett Yormark. This is from Brett McMurphy. We'll give him his uh, his due. Brett Yormark asked about OU and Texas carrying the conference in recruiting. Yormark says, I don't think they've carried the conference in recruiting. They haven't been in our championship game the past few years. DMAC, the floor is yours. First things first, kudos to him. We needed him. Probably three years ago, right? Uh,
1: you know, few's an ambiguous number. You don't know if it means two or three or seven, right? So, few. I, I kind of like his uses of language in the sense that it could make it sound like it's been an extended period of time. But let's let's uh, let's 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 break that down. And in reality, two years ago, we're up in Stillwater, and whatever you want to say about the game, the conspiracy, the no call. Uh, the phantom PI or or the 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 PI that shouldn't called all those things whatever right. Needless to say, OU was a way from playing for the for the conference championship literally two seasons ago. But we all know Link was on the yard line, hoping and praying we could lose so he could leave town. Nothing wrong with having a a, a commissioner with a little spunk, a with, you know saying has the gall to say some things. But uh, we both know. Uh, he and his mama will both prefer if Oklahoma City of Texas were a part of the conference because you can't replace a blue blood. You can't. Uh, there's a term we use called Reggie. You can't have four regular teams coming to the conference. We're talking state schools. We're talking about, you know, lower tier power five and then lose to the last two, essentially the last two flagship historically relevant universities. Right, there's no longer Nebraska. There's no longer Colorado A and M, and they made up makeshift history. Is no longer here. Missouri is no longer here. Oklahoma and Texas was it. The SEC got the goods, um, the golden goose's of the conference. But for him to say that makes me like him. I like it. Right. We need a little spice. We need. A, mm-hmm. we, uh, we need someone. The Big Twelve needed needed sooner. Someone who was going to advocate. For the conference in a way that he has you know obviously the outside the box approach and talking about expansion into mexico and doing some things outside the country um and, and i think he did a good job pulling the best programs he could i look forward to mr umark and his comments and, and mr gundy in his comments and the rest of the the uh the chicken little community the the redhead stepchilds that are going to be left here in, in the years to come and seeing how things play out it'll be good to see
0: yeah I, I think you're you're on point in saying that the Big 12 was just late in getting a guy like that who was had a little ferocity, a guy who who has been at the table of big deals and not afraid to tell a guy no, not afraid to tell somebody yes, not afraid to go out there on a limb and sort of be a uh, be an advocate for the conference instead of saying I I felt that the Big 12 leadership for a long time was we are understanding of where we fit. We are not the Big Ten, we are not the SEC, and we're not even, you know, winning titles like the ACC right now, right? I think they've always been better in terms of overall caliber of teams, but it felt like that was the thought process. It wasn't, no, we got OU in Texas. We've got um, really, we got TCU down in Texas. We uh, We can advance this conference into the future. Think 10, 20 years down the road, we can get this conference to that level. There was never any thought of that. Your mark is looking at it as, as what can they do, saying they now, because OU's gone after this year, what can they do to take the conference into the next decade? How are they going to position themselves to where teams like a Cincinnati are competitive when they go to a CFP, TCU can continue to grow, can continue to be a team that that can win in Texas and, and win Big 12 championships and go to the college football playoff. Not that we necessarily want to see them get there, but he is the type of leader that is going to get them where they want to be, whether it's TV deals, whether it is how the conference is marketed overall, which the marketing's been so much better. I think in terms of basketball, which is really where his uh, his bread was buttered before, that, that's kind of where he dug his teeth into in previous industries. They're looking at trying to bring Gonzaga in, right? As a member of the conference, they're doing a lot of things that are going to push the Big 12 forward. And I don't think it's a coincidence that all that started when he took over. Now, Texas obviously hasn't been a whole lot in the Big 12. OU fans know that. We remind them every single year. But OU has, people forget they, what, six straight Big 12 championships and really barely missed in 21. I mean, you're a few calls away from possibly they were on the cusp of if they win the Big 12 championship, there was talk of, can they sneak into a CFP? Would they have enough at the very end? Probably not, but they were right on the cusp. And that was with yep. a team that really that same team minus Caleb Williams is the team that went six and seven. There wasn't uh, – they, they lost some guys on the defensive line, but a lot of those same players um, who were key cogs on that team, uh, especially on the defense, a few on the offense, ended up going below 500. So what does that tell you about what the roster was? Um, really about what Caleb Williams was. But now I want to get your thoughts on Gundy. You alluded to it slightly. And Sooners 360's very own Blake Mullen actually had the uh, the quote. I want to make sure again that I have this one pulled up. I don't want to get the man wrong. Don't want to misquote Mr. Mr. I'm a man, I'm 40. When asked about... OU and their relationship to the Big 12 and leaving for the SEC, Mike Gundy says the Bedlam game is over because Oklahoma chose to leave the Big 12, period. Close quote. Mac again, floor is yours. To, to To talk about this as if it's a
1: big deal to us, it just isn't. So whatever Coach Gundy has to say about it, hey, bro, that's your problem. That's your problem. I will I will say to your point, there were pockets where they, you know, by the way, they beat us in 01 and 02. But they were huge underdogs. And in 01, they had a million breaks go their way. So like you said, it was never like it was a game that was like, oh, my God, this is for all the apples. No. 01, Nate's, you know, Nate has a bad night. Uh, man, Roy plays an amazing game. He makes every play except the one that mattered. <laughs> Roy, Roy, Roy has an amazing, that kicker kicks like two 50 yard field goals and they win, by the way, school them. Uh, they, they stopped the championship 2002. They beat us pretty bad in, in Stillwater. I think they win by 10, 31, 21, something like that. But, like, okay, so they won a couple of games in that 20, 20, 23 year period, right? But, like, we still dominated the hell out of them, right? Tyreek Hill had one game where Bob re kicks the punt, which was a ill, you know, that was what the hell was he thinking. There's probably four or five wins. So, it's not even like of recent. They've kind of evened things out. No, you haven't. We still beat you, whether it's a nail biter. Sometimes we blow the bread. Like, how did we beat them last year? There's no way in heaven we should have beat them. We literally gave them a million chances in the fourth quarter because we kept going to hurry up mm. and they couldn't score. Hey, man, let's transition out of this. I'm tired of talking about it. like Gundy. Cool quote. It's going to it's going to, st- you know, it's going to stir some 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 controversy on social media. But, bro, no one cares.
0: Like, straight up, we don't, we don't care. Uh, we've been kind of all over the uh, the potential for some big commitments in July and big commitments across the defensive line, possibly the running back position, and a lot A lot of fans have been uh, not a lot of optimism, and that's offensive line DMAC. and I, I know this is being maybe a touch critical, but I feel like this show, we've uh, buttered our bread, there's that quote again. Uh, with being critical at times and, and allowing to kind of speak in our minds on things. I want to ask you offensive line recruiting. What is it going to take for OU to get over the hump there and start getting some of these bigger names that have been on their radar, right? Your, your easily your pose. Um, your, your, you know, go back a while back, Bryce Foster, right? Even when Lincoln Riley was here, Not, um, 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 Yeah, that was it, Bryce. So what does OU have to do? Yeah, to get to that point, offensive line wise, especially when this was my point, um, discussing this with someone else. That was the one position where you had a first round NFL talent this year. How are you not able to leverage that? So my question to you is, what goes in inside the building? What goes on in those interactions, those conversations? What maybe isn't quite landing or is it the kid you're going after? What is your thought on what OU needs to do? Maybe we'll frame it like that to solidify and acquire some of these top shelf offensive line players. So I have two
1: thoughts and my first thought is going to be a tangent to your question. It's and it's this Barry, isn't it very interesting that just two cycles ago, we were having this quite about a like twenty year period where we couldn't get top shelf D line talent. Isn't that interesting? Like yeah. it's literally been. And two, we now are number one, absolutely, in the fight for all the top guys. We are winning our fair share of battles in that regard. Top dean in the country last year, in PJ, and some other guys. You know, Parion Winfrey, and some of these guys that we've got, uh, and then some of the guys we're in. All we're in the we're in um, the number one dean in the country again this year. Kid out of KC, being coached up by my old teammate. Um, so that's a good thing, right? I just I kind of want to throw a shout there to say, hey, man, I remember just r- real recent where man, we couldn't even get, you know, top guys to even look our direction, now we're closing, so, salute. But but uh, in that same vein, listen, there's something to it. I don't have a personal relationship with BNB. I don't know him, uh, I'm mean, he and I may have spoken two or three times in passing, but with his track record, with the amount of guys that have played in the league and are are successful in the league, Some coached by him. Our two very best weren't coached by him, but that's okay. He's kept the tradition going, right? He's got first-round talent. Again, he had one this last draft class. Um, There is a leak, right? There's a leak. When your top four or five prospects um, commit and close other places, and, and, and like your last four recruiting classes, right? We have missed on, I mean, at least 75% of our first option linemen. 23 class was pretty good. Definitely don't want to, um, I don't want to make more than what is in regards to that class, green and, 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 and some of those other guys that we got the last cycle. But man, we've missed out on some very good prospects for many years. That is at the very least, you have got to have some form of intervention. I, this is what I believe, Barry. There's, there needs to be some type of intervention in place. I don't know that it's necessarily Coach B. I don't know that if it's a support player. I don't know if apples to apples, the nil isn't, NIL isn't meeting the standard of other schools. I don't know if, if someone is bad-mouthing the program and saying, yeah, but, and, and that needs to be nipped in the bud. I honestly am speculating. I probably don't have a better answer than anyone else, except to say this many cycles of, I mean, gosh, I think our top five guys are off the board. I think yeah. it's our top five players. They're all off the board. I just saw Poe committed. I don't know if that was today or just recently, but he's a, he's a, he's going to be in Alabama. Yeah. You know, I think it
0: was Warren easily Poe. Um, who else was in that mix that, yeah, that just thinking.
1: committed to uh, the, the Georgia who just committed to Georgia last week? That was six, um, seven big, big, big boy. Right. I mean, listen, my point is if I'm coach V, if I'm BV, I am, and, and I'm sure he's done it, you know, but we got to go in and, and, and sit down and really process what our pitch looks like, what our platform looks like for those players, what, the dynamic of the relationship we're establishing with those the parents are, and you know what are some things we are doing well that we need to uh, enhance, and then what are some of the things that we are not doing well? We need to have, be really honest with ourselves about because you can't continue to depend on diamonds in a rough at a place like OU. There's just too many misses along the old line. Consistently be depending upon. Um, you know, finding a kid no one else has discovered. Now, I, I I said this, I said this the first year, and I still believe it. And I like what I said is accurate and correct. Um, and the tra- and that's the transfer portal. Identify as a place for players to go if their situation doesn't work out because they get a blue blood experience. And I think OU has done a decent, not exceptional but a decent job of rebounding layers from the portal. However, we have got to move away from that being our primary place of replenishing our ranks. We've got to get back to the place of securing some of the best, some of the biggest, some of the longest, some of the guys who have consistently shown on film and through camps and, and, you know, um, just being a ball player that they can win. And I'm not in the community with the pitchfork saying, you know, either this or for Coach BNB, I'm not in that community just yet. To, or not even just yet. I, I don't. I don't believe uh, unless you have another, a better candidate in place, you risk losing a coach who's been a more award winners, has multiple first rounders, has shown he can develop. Yeah, he's a little stubborn. Yeah, he's a little slow to make decisions. It seems to me like he makes decisions when you get to conference. He's giving guys a chance to prove their worth. You know, during the the September schedule. Um, but he's a top 15 O-line coach in America. And if supported by a great OC, a great running back coach, a great, you know, receiver coach and that culture, that melting pot works together. He can also be a top 10 recruiting O-line coach too. So, you know, pump the brakes on blowing it up and firing him. Now we don't go 10 and three. It's a whole bunch of heads that need to roll. There's a whole bunch of heads that need to roll. But going into this season, um, we like to secure bricks, right? I know that's a kid that we're looking closely at. I don't know. There's a kid named Brooks out of Cali or something like that. That is a guard type that we're close zeroing in on. I believe he's a four-star. Let's see how things go with these these kids. Let's see the second eval, right? There's going to be a second evaluation period where kids who may not have camped or, you know, Uh, one or two years in the program, they were on a really deep high school team that they were on the, the JV one team as juniors or sophomores. And now they're moving up to the varsity team and and they're in a position to be successful. There's going to be guys out there for the taking. uh, And I, we generally do well in that, in in that space too, but we need them to pop, right? We got D linemen taking a look at us. We got, we got safeties and corners taking a look at us. We've got running backs and quarterbacks, right? We need to get the linemen to that standard. Again, third Monday in, in October, Barry, like we need to do, by the way, we need to, we need to do a, a episode on that day. The third Monday in October, we need to break all of our other habits and make sure we do a call of action uh, state of the program uh, episode, but I'm on Ooh, fence. I like that. I'm gray. It's not the best answer, but damn it. There's some problems.
0: Hopefully behind closed doors, they're addressing. So let me ask you this and just kind of a, a quick thought. Is there anything schematically from the scheme that OU runs that might make an offensive lineman who wants to go to the NFL say, ah, maybe if I go to Georgia, maybe if I go to Alabama, things might go... Even though OU has produced the NFL guys, is there anything that a player looks at the film of what they're running now with Lebby and says, I don't think so. I'd rather go somewhere else.
1: I don't think so. Only because the NFL uh, uh, essentially... Um, recruits based upon measurables and physicality, and then they have aptitude exams that let them know the level of complexities you can diagnose in a short period of time. So if the film shows you're moving people, if your measurables are such that you're a six six three 3'10"-ish guy with a lean frame, right, who can move their feet, and then if the aptitude tests are tests that you show you can make quick decisions those coaches feel like they're better than college coaches and they're gonna they're and more often than not they're gonna draft the kids that move people on film have the measurables they're seeking and show they have the potential to to grow and fit into their scheme so no for me it's a bigger issue of the jimmies and joes and finding more guys that fit that that fit that demographic than it is Bama is running whatever they're running because Bama and Georgia were both running pull the guard and run power just two three years ago and sending a ton of guys to the league so now I don't think
0: awesome stuff we're gonna have a hard out today a little bit because I know you got places to be things to do and I got a couple things to handle but sooner nation as the season gets closer and once I really get back from vacation I'm going to vacation in little under three weeks once I get back The content is going to be rolling in on a weekly basis. We're going to have Reggie on again here very soon. The feedback on Reggie's show was absolutely fantastic, DMAC. And folks, I want to remind everyone go right now while you're on your phone listening to this, type in the Reggie Pearson Jr. show on whatever app you're using to listen to podcasts and go subscribe. It is live right now. You can subscribe and follow. Make sure you're checking out Sooners 360 as well. Go give us a follow. dmac is at D underscore MAC13. Find me at B-Wise Fitness and uh, follow the Barry Mac show at Barry and Mac, S-H-W. Mac. before we get out of here, any parting words as OU is now in their kind of final phase of summer camp before the guys leave? Reggie gave us a little insight on what the schedule is going to look like. What are your parting words to Sooner Nation as we log off here today?
1: Yep, they're on the backside of summer. Uh, this is when summer becomes more fun. You're over the soreness. You're over the unsurety. The, the schedule's kind of kicked in. Uh, you've done the heavy lifting. Coach is really getting in the air. When I say coach, I'm talking about Shumita. He's in the ear of some of the top shelf guys and making sure they're, they're mentally ready to go. Uh, the physicality part, they're going to start tapering back. Um, they're going to continue to push their legs. They want them those guys running probably another two weeks. They'll they'll slow it down the week before camp, and then they'll have a week off. They don't want them to be too uh, away from you know putting a lot of pressure on their legs going into the season. But like this is the time where we as fans we go crazy because you know we are dying to see football. But this is the time where the juices and berries start to mix together and, and leaders emerge who you had no idea. Somebody emerged this summer. By the way, it sounds to me, for multiple people, like Reggie is one of those dudes. I've heard from multiple people that Reggie is a guy who comes early and stays late. Reggie is a guy who's leading practice and helping people get in the right position. I've heard he's taking the pup under the five-star pup under his wing because he's a guy that they trust. And he's a newer guy. So he knows the playbook. He's a leader. Um, for a lot of the guys in the secondary and, and and on defense. So it'll be good to see those guys take on those roles. I'm looking for new leaders to emerge. All right, we've got some mainstays. I think Stets has earned the right to say, hey, man, I'm a dog. I'm a leader. Well, he's a leader. We'll see if he wants to be a dog, a, a, like a OU caliber dog. Uh, but I know there's new leaders emerging. The D-line's got a ton of competition, right? So interesting to see what those guys are going to be doing. The uh, running back room is loaded. All right. So we've got a bunch of guys who none of them have really owned the alpha position, but a lot of talent. We've seen Todd Chuck show glimpses. Obviously, Barnes was a big part of what happened last year. Hicks came in and turned some heads. Major is a guy continue to hear. Major is a guy who, if healthy, is a load. Um, and then, of course, the the pups, mothers, uh, they say, you know, he's 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 like a, a water bug in a phone booth. So that, that makes me excited. The O-line, I think, has more depth than we've had in in, in, in three years, maybe. Like, the O-line depth is there. Yeah. We got a couple guys that got to stay healthy. There's yeah. some competition yeah. along that front. Uh, there's going to be competition in the quarterback room. The quarterback room is going to be interesting to see if DG can hold off the pup. Uh, receivers got some got some question marks. We'll see if Farouk wants to be a one or if there's another guy coming in. Pedaway's turned some heads. He's extremely explosive right They are a, they, they, he's flat out. He's shown that he's got D1 uh, ability in terms of stretching the field day one. Uh, the Maxi kid or the kid from Michigan is is obviously come in and stays healthy, he'll do well. and then of course our two big tall guys, they need to stay healthy one and stay mentally ready too. But Barry, it, you know, it's exciting. It's exciting to get closer to football. Um, this is a huge year for us. I, I want to make sure every time we get on and, and have this conversation, it is championed that like this year matters. I would say over the course of the last 25 years, Bob's first and second years mattered. Bob needed to show he could turn the program around. That was a big deal. Um, link taking over the reign. to me, it wasn't as big a deal because it was all set up. Bob had set it up for 15 years and link was able to do what he did well. Which was do some some star-studded recruiting, and he had the he was about five years ahead of the competition in terms of scheme offensively. This year is probably up there in the top three seasons um, that OU has had, and obviously with it being the first losing since Bob's crew came in, uh, Coach Venable's has to win. Nothing wrong with pressure. Pressure makes diamonds. Pressure creates oil, and and I believe that you know if they face this pressure head on and very honest. Schedule sets up the talent barometer sets up where we are headed in 2024. It sets up hone that pressure, own that pressure, harness that pressure, go kick some ass, go be 11 and two go at 10, three, 10 and three is the worst case scenario. Um, secure a very cl- good recruiting class. Some of the guys who we'll wait and see to see if we're going to, you know, come out the gates and be what we think we can be. And and uh, what is it? August? I don't know if it's the 23rd or whatever it is. Can't get here yeah. fast enough. We got five or six weeks, and you and I will be doing a pregame show, probably in Norman live. Right? We'll set up a remote live. I, we talked about it last year, but we got some stuff in place, and uh, it'll be time to watch our Sooners do their thing for uh, 14 or 15 weeks heading into the playoffs.
0: Good stuff. Before we get out of here, I just want to, I don't usually do this, but OU has got some heat brewing in terms of recruiting. So if you are not over on Sooners 360, I would say, man, Demac probably like four to five solid names right now that are on the cusp that we feel might end up uh, picking OU. And we're going to have all that info over there Go check it out. Chris Mason has been doing his thing, keeping track of it. Our spaces are every Tuesday at about 9.30 a.m., 10 a.m. Uh, it was a little later this week because wife had to go to the doctor and get some stuff done. Nothing major for those who asked. Nothing major, but just had to go uh, get some stuff done on the foot. But thank you all for hey, tuning in today. Very, very. before you go. You brought something up. I got to say, the Barry and Max show, has, is
1: we're, we're batting a pretty high average of players who a lot of folk didn't know the names were even out there and s- some names and conversations that we had had and heard. And, by the way, on the show, on the air, they're commits. So when Barry says there's four or five potentials on, on the horizon, uh, I, I'm not going to name drop this time because I don't, I, you know, but there are some players... Guys, there are some very coveted players at coveted positions uh, that I can say with a high degree of certainty. You guys can look forward to it, and, and if you don't go to three hundred and sixty, you're not going to get the information uh, when that community gets that information. So, salute to you guys. But I just wanted to say that because I was like, "Yo, man, hold on, you're right." Like, we need, we kind of need to market the fact that we've been hitting the mark, man. With there's some names. Gilmore was a name nobody was talking about. No. Prior to us talking about Gilmore, there, you know, there's some there again, there are some guys who gotta, gotta give props when props is due. So, um, pat you guys on the back. You guys are killing it. Super phenomenal job you guys are doing over there. I, I, I just, I just, I don't know. I just wear my hat backwards and say, Hey, man, I played for you once upon a time. And, and hopefully that gives me a pass.
0: <laughs> there we go, man. Sooner Nation, thank you all for tuning in. We appreciate all of the love, all of the support, and we will see you soon.